Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough, think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic. A sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air everywhere. We are back at it again. Another weekend of podcasting here. This, of course, a spinoff, as you know by now, a spinoff of the Overnight Show, the Ben Maller Show on Fox. And this all over the podcast world, eight days a week now, because four hours are not enough. And we welcome in yet again, David Gascon. This is an interview podcast. It's an interview podcast. No need to play that. I was, uh, 
I was delightful about the uh, the guest selection that you had for this week. I know, uh, <laughs> I know. this is this is Gascon's dream come true. I assume you already know now because you downloaded the podcast. He was on the podcast, but uh, for a very long amount of time, Gascon has been badgering me with the Babylon Bee, and I have come around. I'm a big fan now of the Babylon Bee. At first, I was like so annoyed because you would. <laughs> Every day with these Babylon B stories, I'm like, Give, leave me alone. Leave me the F alone. But uh, I've come around and they've blown up here this year in this election year, Babylon B, which is a satire site. And they've been in the news a lot because they got shut down this week by Facebook because of inciting, what was it, inciting violence. Yes. On a satire site, uh, which is just outstanding. So we have tracked down here, Gascon, the man that runs it, the CEO of the Babylon Bee. Seth Dillon's going to hang out with us here on this podcast, which I'm excited about. I, it, was, uh, it was a long time coming. I, I thought about the approach since we've had so many uh, radio personalities on, and I figured this is a great time to have them on, especially because... We got the election going on. People are voting, and we got uh, obviously the huge day on November the third. And we need to laugh a little bit. You, you've had a, a wild week. Um, Dodgers coming back last week in the NLCS, yeah. the World Series. You got Kyler Murray. You got you got Republicans <laughs> and Democrats. This is a this is a good week for for us. And I thought it was appropriate for you. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it's it's great with everything that's going on, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll ask Seth about the. The President Trump retweet of the Babylon Bee, which got a lot of attention uh, recently as well, within the last uh, 10 days or so. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that as well. And uh, for those that are unfamiliar, I don't know how you would be unfamiliar because we talk about the Babylon Bee. Gascon plays a game here every once in a while, be or not to be. Uh, but it's a satire site. Obviously, it's, it's been, been doing very well here. And as they say, I like the motto they have on their social media. I think it was on Twitter I read this, that fake news you can trust. <laughs> fake news that you can trust. And uh, it's, uh, it's... You know, it reminds me a little bit of the, the Phil Hendry radio show from back in the day. Remember? Because, like, if you listen to the Phil Hendry radio show and you didn't know that it was a joke, you would be upset, right? You'd be like angry. But if you knew it was a joke, if you figured that out, you'd be like, this is the most amazing, this is like art. Like, this is art, what this is. And so the Babylon Bee, like the way I consume it now, it's so funny when I read these stories and I, you know, you know they're satire, they're, they're whatever. And then the people that are hardos that don't get the joke. And that's my favorite part. That's I, that's just outstanding. And these are people in society that have you know very important positions in politics and news. And they don't get the joke. It's, it's really pretty funny. It's kind of piggybacking off of Sports Talk with Barry, right? Because he would go yeah, on Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. change his name multiple times, and people would just crush him. Or they would retweet him like he was breaking news. And that's exactly yeah, yeah, what's yeah. happened with the B because they have a, a good attention to detail with titles and pictures and then articles and then bang. Oh, can you him. imagine? Oh, can you imagine if Sports Talk Barry joined forces with the Babylon B? He might be. Oh, he might be the CEO oh, of it. Oh my God! <laughs> Do you? It would be like all the superheroes teaming up in satire. Yeah, it would be amazing. Oh. Uh, man, all right. Well, let's get to it though, guest God, because uh, we don't want to waste any time here. The man is uh, standing by virtually, of course. Uh, we. Welcome in 
the CEO of the Babylon Bee, the man, one of the big shots that runs this thing. Seth Dillon is his name. And Seth, why don't we start with the reason we're having you on here. Uh, The Babylon Bee, you guys ran a story, a political story, and got shut down by Facebook. Kind of walk me through how this all happened, please. Yeah, I mean, basically, Facebook has these community standards, and they have a complicated algorithm-based artificial intelligence system that looks at various posts on their platform and links that are um, uh, posted on their platform to determine if they are hateful or inciting violence or threatening in some way. And so there's signals that they're looking for that will tell them um, if the content that's posted violates their standards in some way. So um, fine, you know, to have systems in place like that is more efficient than having people looking at everything. You know, I don't think they have so much content on their system. It makes sense that they do that. Uh, but in this case, yeah, we posted an absolutely ridiculous article. It was basically uh, a rehashing of an old Monty Python scene. Um, you know, we, we, we took the scene from where they were uh, in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where they were trying to condemn this woman as a witch, and they were trying to figure out if she was a witch or not, and they decided to weigh her against a duck to see if she weighed as much as a duck, and it's just the most absurd scene ever, and they determined that she is, in fact, a witch, and she needs to be burned at the stake, right? Well, we translated that scene into the confirmation hearings where Amy Coney Barrett was being grilled by these senators, um, and, you know, they're disparaging her and trying to make her look silly and whatever. So we took this duck scene from Monty Python, and we made a, we made a spoof on it, and and had the senators, you know, suggesting that if she weighs more than a duck, then you know she's a then she must be a witch, and we must burn her. Well, that language, like we must burn her, was uh, it triggered something. It flat, Facebook flagged it as being you know an incitement to violence, and uh, obviously it's not. But the incredible thing where it went where things went sideways a little bit was when um, we appealed that that ruling. And a person looked at it and then it reached out to us and said, it is an incitement to violence. We stand by this. Uh, you need to make changes to the article. And we just couldn't believe that. <laughs> so, that's, in, that's insane. So, like, you know, how, how does it work? They, they, I assume they email you or you just go to your Facebook, the, the Babylon Bee Facebook page, and you're like, you're done. That's it. It's over. Are you Like, how how's the chain go where you find out you've been uh, taken down, you're, you're your financial opportunity, you're demonetized. How did that work? Yeah, they send you a notification. So our account, they have like a page quality section where you can analyze your page and see if you're compliant with their policies. And and they give us a notification saying that one of our posts had been deleted because it violated community standards. And as a result of that, we were demonetized. And basically what that means is we can't make use of any of Facebook's monetization tools. We can't use their instant articles platform, which allows you to display articles within Facebook and have Facebook ads on them for ad revenue. Um, You can't use their subscription platform to collect subscription revenue. Um, Brand collaborations are no longer permitted. So they have a bunch of monetization tools that they restrict and turn off if you're violating the community standards. So they let us know that those tools were no longer accessible to us. We would no longer be able to monetize our Facebook page until we fix this issue. And when we appealed and they denied the appeal, we had no choice but to go to the media and try to make us think about this because it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, in what universe is that article an actual incitement to violence? They say in their community standards that they take context into account when they review these things. Well, clearly they didn't in this case. Yeah, so how does that, 
you know, you, you're an internet guy. Obviously, you run the Babylon Bee. You've been in the game for a long time. Like, how does that happen with the algorithm? Like, is it you know, somebody programming it, obviously? Or how does it end up in that situation? And I, and I saw your, you posted on Twitter about this, and I saw a bunch of people underneath who said, yeah, I had something happen. You know, so I'd said so-and-so, and I got in trouble with that. So, how, like, how do you think this happened, you know, the algorithm? Well, I mean, I, they, they code their they code their system to look for specific key phrases and words, and so a sentence like "We must burn her," you know, uh, "burn her" is clearly a, a reference to you know lighting someone on fire, and their systems aren't smart enough to look at the broader context and see that it, we weren't actually suggesting that Amy Coney Barrett be lit on fire by anyone you know it the system's not smart enough to detect satire and when they came out in their public statement they did make a statement um to fox news uh when fox inquired about this and they said you know our systems have a hard time detecting satire so we are sorry for this mistake but but our response to that is well okay your system failed but then a person looked at it and the person also failed so you know why did that happen there's no explanation for that and to your point yes there are lots of people commenting underneath those posts talking about how they've been flagged and they've been disabled, they've been suspended, but they don't have the platform that we have. They can't get online and, and get the media involved and and push back on Facebook. They don't have the, the ability to do that. We're in a position where we can do that, fortunately, but not everybody can. So for most people, when this kind of stuff happens, they're just done. They're dead in the water. Yeah, and, and this has a happy ending, uh, right, Seth? I mean, you, you updated the story, right? So because of interviews you've done like this and other, obviously, big platforms, they've changed their stance. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, well, once we brought media attention to it, all of a sudden they're issuing apologies and saying they reinstated our account. And this happens over and over and over again. You know, Twitter has suspended us before. Facebook has threatened us with deplatforming and demonetization before. And the only time we get um, a positive outcome is when we go to the media, uh, we explain what's happening, and, you know, news reports start coming out about it, about how Facebook is trying to censor us. And then, and only then, they, they change their tune and try to fix it. Seth, are you surprised? Like, has this happened to you, or have you had a hint of something like this happening to you in the past, or is this the first time you've been hit with a hammer like that? Uh, well, it did happen one time in the past with Facebook specifically, where um, when they first started implementing fact-checking, so they started working with third-party fact-checkers, and the fact-checkers, uh, Snopes in particular, uh, was rating our articles false. <laughs> and it's just the most absurd thing in the world. It's like a joke isn't true or false. It's a joke, right? It's in its own category. Um, you don't, when, when Jerry Seinfeld is up on stage cracking jokes in a nightclub, you don't stand up and yell, that's not true, whenever he tells a story that's, that's fictional because it's a joke, right? Right. So... Um, it, it just it's silly, but Facebook was was woodenly interpreting these fact checks to mean that we were putting out fake news and they had strict policies against fake news. And so they would re- they reached out to us and threatened us. This was a few years ago. Well, 2018, they threatened us with demonetization and in uh, suspension of our page for, for for pushing fake news. And again, we made we got a lot of media attention there. Eventually, they apologized and said, "We realize it's a satire now, and we need to, we need a better way of handling this stuff so that we're not threatening satire companies." You know, but there's been a lot of effort on the left to in, to insinuate, imply, um, 
that we are not, in fact, a satire site, but we are actually a purposefully misleading disinformation campaign that pretends to be a satire site to circumvent Facebook's rules. So, and I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like, that sounds crazy, but there's a recent article in, um, in, in New York Times, published like five days ago, that says that we capitalize on confusion um, and questions whether or not we're doing this on purpose. Well, Seth, I'm happy you bring that up because because Ben and I, like Ben, Ben Monday through Friday is typically compelled to hit all that is sports talk radio. It's great. So some of the stuff that he does on his show. Um, or some of the stuff he wants to do on the show just can't because obviously that kind of a spectrum, it, it doesn't cater to it. But on the podcast, which we obviously invited you on, we, we do things a little bit different. And so, uh, like I said in the email when I introduced myself to you, I, I was kind of like one of the original fans of the Babylon Bee. And to kind of pull the curtain back, I would send articles to Ben. I'd text him like in the middle of the night when his show's going on, and his eyes would just roll because like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Right, <laughs> and then before you know it, some of his other friends that are in sports and in media started retweeting you guys on the regular, and then Ben's followers and listeners to his show started retweeting stuff and then tagging him in it. So, so yeah, it, it blew up. It did. I mean, I, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, you guys have done great, and this is like. Uh, let me ask you this, though, Seth. I, 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 when you told the story about you know the, the New York Times and, and their, their their article and all that, like it reminds me. I, I used to have a boss in radio that didn't get like I I don't you know I do a sports show obviously, but I, you know occasionally you know, throw some satire in. And I, I had a boss that did not get had no sense of humor. What is it like? It feels like right. there's a lot of people, Seth, that have no sense of humor. What is it like to do a satire site in 2020 when no one has a funny bone anymore? It seems. Well, okay, so there's a couple things at play there. There is, there is um, you know, there's a lot of hesitation to do comedy in cert- for certain audiences because of the PC culture, right? I mentioned Jerry Seinfeld a minute ago. You know, years back he announced that he would no longer do shows for college students on college campuses. And the reason is because they're so politically correct. You know, anything he says, they're going to think he's racist or sexist or, or something, you know, or homophobic. So, um they, 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 they're just ready to be offended by anything. And that kind of culture does make comedy a little difficult. But when it comes to not having a sense of humor, look, people on the left love to laugh as long as it's the right targets that are being hit. You know, these late-night comedy shows, uh, I just saw something the other day. It was something like 90% of their jokes when they're making political jokes are about Trump, um, and only like 3% of them or something are about Biden. Well, you know, they like to laugh at certain people. They like to laugh at certain ideas. They're they're very they're w- very willing to laugh as long as it's as it's not as it's not pointed at them, right? So, yeah, um, it, it's a very selective thing. It's a double standard. A lot of these media companies that that are very hard on us and and have this uncharitable assumption that we have some kind of ill motive where we're trying to mislead people on purpose. They never think that about The Onion, for example, the most popular web, you know, satire site of the last 20 years. Um, they, they never assign ill motives to The Onion. They think The Onion is funny and that they're doing genuine satire. And, and the only reason that they question our motives is because they disagree with us politically. And I, I don't know if they see that or not, but it's definitely disingenuous and it's double standard. Yeah, so let me, let me ask you, what percentage of people, I, I remember I read a study years ago that said 20% of Americans will believe anything. Like, what percentage of people read your, your stuff online and they're like, uh, they, they don't get the joke. They don't understand the satire. How, do you have any idea, just a ballpark figure on how many people you think just don't get it? Um, 
I don't know that it, I, I wouldn't say that it's probably as high as 20%. There's absolutely people who don't get it. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that, right? There's um, satire is successful. The jokes are funny uh, when, they're, when they're closer to the truth rather than further away from it. You know, it, they depend on having a proximity to the truth. If it's too detached from reality, it's not funny. So that, you know, that saying, there's a grain of truth in every joke, is a popular saying for a reason. There, there's truth to the, to the things that we're joking about, and that's why people believe them so readily. Um, there's also, the, the world has gotten much crazier. People have much more extreme views. They're saying much more extreme things. There's really wild, crazy things happening today that would have never been normal or acceptable years ago. Uh, and so in that environment, when, we, when, when you're trying to exaggerate the truth a little bit, which is what satire does, um, it's hard to stay one step ahead of it. So almost everything is believable today. I mean, and from my experience, what I see in the headlines, I see headlines every day where I'm, I'm shaking my head in disbelief. I'm like, I can't believe that really happened. I can't believe they really said that. I can't believe they really did that. Uh, in that kind of environment, um, it's hard to write stories that people aren't going to believe. So it's reality's fault, honestly. It's not, it's not that our satire is too close to reality, which is what we're accused of. It's that reality is too close to satire. That's the problem. And, and, and Seth, on that note, is that what inspired you to create Not the Bee? Because you guys have had some articles on the Babylon Bee that, you know, they've turned from satire to truth. So is that what caused yeah. you to create uh, Not the Bee? <laughs> We call them uh, we call them fulfilled prophecies. But yes, we have in some cases mere hours after we publish a story, uh, whatever we were joking about actually happened, um, and that's a perfect example of how reality is like. It's hard to stay one step ahead of things when they're this crazy. But yeah, that's the that's the inspiration for not to be. It's that there's there's enough crazy stuff happening. These wild headlines they they seem like they should be satire, but somehow aren't. Um, not the bee is really targeting those stories and, and isolating the stories and, and amplifying them. So um, it's just really, there's so much low hanging fruit today out there and what's going on in the world. Uh, we thought there's, there was a great opportunity to do kind of a spin off of the bee where it's just this absurd, like should be satire, but somehow isn't. And, and you guys do things on a national level, but is there a particular state that you target the most? I know you guys hit California pretty hard. But is it California or New York or Florida or Texas, anything that you like in particular? You mean in terms of hit pretty hard, like we make fun of them a lot? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we will pick on people, uh, anybody that where we feel like basically, you know, satire, what we try to do with it is ridicule bad ideas. Um, that's one of the that's one of the main purposes of satire is to criticize, you know, bad thinking, bad ideology, hypocrisy, double standards. So when we see like Governors, uh, you know, with really heavy-handed um, kind of authoritarian rule in their states, you know, and they're doing crazy, ridiculous things or contradictory things. Uh, we make fun of that, and and you've got a lot of stuff. Uh, you've got a lot of stuff going on right now in California. They're in the headlines all the time. Like they don't have enough. Inter- they don't have enough electricity to power their state, for example. So, you know, we we pick on them for those kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the ones that are in the headlines the most are the ones that are going to get picked on the most. We're really piggybacking on whatever's in the news. And, and Seth, the, the October 16th uh, President Trump retweet, is that the Mona Lisa for the Babylon Bee? <laughs> 
Oh, man. I, you know, there's a lot of debate about that. That actually, we don't normally get media attention outside of, like, conservative media. You know, like, we get Fox News pays a lot of attention to us. A lot of the, a lot of the players on the right, like the Daily Wire and the Federalist and the Blaze, you know, they pay attention to us. But we don't get a lot of immediate media attention on the other side, like with Slate and Vox and CNN or any of those places. But, but when Trump tweets our stuff, all of a sudden they pay attention. They, they looked at that as just this prime opportunity to make fun of him as being an idiot. But um, we actually know, I mean, we know people in his administration, um, and we have it, we, from, we have close contacts of his who have assured us that he knows what the Babylon Bee is, he thinks it's funny, um, he reads it all the time, and so uh, we believe that he knows that it's satire, but um, it is, it is, it's possible he's just trolling people on the left and, and, uh, and sharing satire just to see what kind of reaction he can get from them. I would not put that past him at all. Seth, who's the biggest celebrity or, or I guess, personality that you guys have fish hooked? Is it like a Alyssa Milano or, or who is it? Very good question. I, if, if Trump was uh, confused by that headline and thought it was real, then it's Trump for okay. sure. Um, uh, but I don't think that he was. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. I do know we recently did uh, a piece on after Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed. Um, we photoshopped LeBron James wearing uh, like a lace, a white lace uh, collar <laughs> around his black shirt, uh, honoring Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So it looked like he was dressed like her. And um, people on the left were sharing that like crazy. So there were like New York Times reporters who were sharing it, talking about how beautiful it was and how meaningful it was that the NBA was honoring <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg in that way. Um, and so, you know, depending on what we do, we get a lot, a lot, a lot of attention um, from people, you know, they love to say that we're, we're, we're fooling our own audience with this stuff, but they get fooled by it all the time. And specific names of like celebrities are escaping me. I'm, I'm not sure, but there was another one too we did about how uh, Trump said that he's done more for Christianity than Jesus himself. And, you know, we're just playing on Trump's ego there. He's constantly, you know, talking about how great he is and how, and how he's done, you know, better than anybody in history at, at whatever he's doing in that moment. Um, and but the, you know the, the left believed that that was true that he really said that and that one was shared very widely. I know there were a lot of celebrities who were who were condemning him for that. You know, being so arrogant as to say he'd done more for Christianity than Jesus. So I'd have to go back and try to pick out names because they're escaping me at the moment. But there's been some big ones. I, I since we're sports guys, well, I'll ask you this one: Is there a favorite sports store that you've done? Because Ben's hit it up with Colin Kaepernick, obviously, over the last couple of years. And I think one of the ones that I noticed the most was when he got put into Madden. And then you guys published an article that says Madden introduces throw a Molotov feature. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's good. Uh, I think for us, the perfect intersection, you know, because we have a very we have a, like a large conservative Christian audience. So whenever we do a Tim Tebow joke, it's like the perfect nexus of things because we're, we're roping in the sports on the one side, but also like the Christian faith stuff on the other side. So um, one of them, uh, it was, it, I wrote the headline for this one. It was Tim Tebow suspended for using performance-enhancing Bible verses. <laughs> and and it, it got shared like a million times. It went like crazy viral. So I think whenever, I think whenever we do a Tim Tebow article, it goes crazy viral because it's that kind of perfect – you know, combination of the, the Christian stuff and the, and the culture and sports stuff. Um, but, but Seth, but in, yeah, in, I, 
in general, Seth, how how do the sports stories do? I mean, you guys obviously deal with politics mostly, but like, how do the how do the sports stories do in comparison? They do really, really well. Um, we just don't do that many of them. We need to do more of them. I, I, part of the problem is we have our writers are more of like, it's funny, you know, our writers are are like a mixture of things. They're like computer programmers or, or they have a, a creative like art background. And, and, and so they like, they like board games and video games and stuff like that much more than they like sports. They're not sports guys. Right. So we need more people on our staff who get sports and want to write about sports. Like the founder of the B is actually really into sports. He loves like, he loves like MMA. He loves baseball. You know, he's really into sports. Um, but but we need more people on our writing staff, writing day to day, who can tap into these things. Because like, whenever you know, whenever there's something going on, like we, we make we like to make fun of soccer and how Americans, you know, aren't aren't we make fun of Americans for not being super interested in soccer and and uh, and, and feeling like it's boring or whatever. And so when we when we've got like sports shut down from from COVID, we ran one on how American sports fans would even watch soccer at this point, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And it does well. It gets, it gets shared hundreds of thousands of times. So. Well, and Seth, I got to tell you, you know, being in the sports radio game for a long time, and it has never been more tribalistic in sports. I, the, uh, the, the Arizona Cardinals quarterback the other day completed two passes. The rest of the game, he was terrible. He completed like you know, nine passes in the game, and I ripped him for having, you know, I didn't think he played well. And the Arizona newspaper uh, wrote a story ripping me for ripping him. Um, oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so there, that is a goldmine for you guys. I know uh, you mentioned you've been, done well with the sports, but the, the, a lot of sports fans these days cannot take any criticism of the hometown team, and they, they just go nuts. They're like, you're not allowed to rip us. It's it's crazy. It's, it's, no, it's, but, you know, that, that speaks to kind of a broader thing. It goes beyond sports. People are just not willing to hear disagreement anymore, and I don't know – you know, it's it, that's it's manifesting itself in the sports world. I guess it's bleeding into the sports world, but that's kind of like a general principle now, isn't it? Yeah, no, totally. It's it's totally true. It's like you, you're not allowed to criticize us. How dare you? I don't want to hear. They just like put their their earmuffs on. They don't want to hear anything other than the they want to be fed yeah. a study diet of what they believe in. It's crazy. Well, I do want to do you guys. You know. Um, I definitely want to do more sports stuff. That's for sure. It does really well for us, and we got to tap into that more. All right. So, are you are we the first sports personalities that you've done an interview with? I know that you did some stuff that you mentioned on on a couple news sites, but uh, are we the first on the sports side? Yeah, I think so. I mean, even though we've had some kind of viral sports stories, we've never really had any sports reporters. Uh, or media sites reach out to us for any kind of like comment on it or, um, you know, I, no, I, I don't think I ever have. Well, you'll never forget your first then, Seth. Do not ever cheat on us. Yeah. Don't ever do us wrong. <laughs> 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 hey, I, I, I got a question. I'm, I'm curious. You don't have to say, I know it's your, you know, Intel, how you, how you make the, uh, make the hot dogs, but like, like, how does this work? Do you have a, an editorial board that says, "Hey, look at you know so and so." When you're when you're coming up with stories each day, kind of talk us through how this works here. Where you come up with the stories and with your writing staff? Yeah, so we have a team of writers um, and contributors, and we communicate a number of different ways. We have a Facebook group that's kind of a broader, larger group that has some people that are not on our staff but are very creative that we've invited into that group to kind of pitch ideas to us. Um, and then we have kind of our internal Slack channels where we're talking on Slack and, and pitching ideas back and forth. We're in a bunch of different locations, so we're, we're not all in the same room. So 
um, we basically just look at whatever's going on in the news each day and and try to think to ourselves, what's a funny take on this? And and we throw headlines. It's all, all the joke is in the headline. It's always the headline that, that comes first. So um, it's just headline pitches, one after another. We pitch dozens and dozens and dozens of, of ideas based on whatever's going on in the world. Um, so we do that day in and day out. And the ones that rise to the top that get a reaction that you know our editor in chief decides or, you know he wants to run with, um, we pick out of those out of those pitches. So it's really a small percentage. It's probably like, honestly, like 2% of the headlines we pitch get published, and most of them are just junked. Um, but it's a refinement process. You know, we go through iterations of it. Someone might pitch something that's not perfect as is, uh, but then, you know, someone else will do an iteration of it that's a little bit better and would, you know, connect better and is better worded. So uh, we play off of each other and just work together very collaboratively to come up with these ideas. And once we have a really good headline, you know, one of our writers can, can take on the task of actually writing out that article and populating it and getting it up on the site. So um, that's what we do every day. It's fun. It's crazy that this is our job. Just, we just make up funny stories uh, and then Photoshop crazy <laughs> images to go along with them. Um, we pinch ourselves sometimes because it's crazy that anyone does that for a living, but it's a lot of fun. WWE holds massive Royal Rumble event on Zoom. That was pretty solid. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rioters declined to sign Colin Kaepernick. That was another good one. That was pretty solid. You guys uh, you guys continue to shot. Now, how big is the staff? I, mean, I know you said you have some outside people, then some internal people, but how big is the crew? Uh, our, our writing staff, I think we have about a dozen people right now writing, uh, not all of them full-time. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty small crew. Um, some, several of them are, have other jobs, and, they, and their work is like part-time contributing writers. And how's the uh, the advertising market these days? You're in the, we're still in the apocalypse, right? And business is still slow. Are you guys been able to, uh, to to still monetize it, and make some money on this? Because you guys are getting, I imagine, tons of traffic these days with all the the people freaking out of your stories. Yeah, we're doing record traffic numbers. Um, we're trending up with that. Um, we did at the start of the whole pandemic. If you go back to like March, April, our advertising took a big hit and. Um, and our earnings went way down, but they've they've really come back quite a bit, um, pretty close to where we were before the pandemic started. So we're we're really bouncing back on that. But we're also trying to monetize in other ways. We have a subscription now, where people can subscribe either just to support us uh, because of these big tech issues that we're having, or to uh, to gain access to premium content features that isn't otherwise available to everybody. So we try to make some, we try to throw some value add in there. So it's worthwhile for people to subscribe. So we have a mixture of revenue from like our store where we sell stuff and the ads we run on the site and the subscriptions where people are, are paying for access. Awesome, Seth. So, uh, listen, I appreciate you coming on with us. I know we're not going to take up your entire day here, but uh, I I was a little skeptical when uh, <laughs> when my guy David used to send me the Babylon Bee stuff, but I have become a big fan as well. I, I love it, and I, I I feel like we're in on the joke because I when I see people who when you, you mentioned the LeBron story, when I see people who don't get it, I, I just uh, it just makes my day. It just uh, I just smile. I have a Cheshire cat smile from ear to ear when I see it. It's just it's wonderful. So thank you for your Time. It I is fun, it. and you know, people people who try to act like it's dangerous that people are believing our stories. Come on, it's hard. These are jokes, and if people don't get the joke, you know, that's on them. But we're not trying to mislead anybody. We're just trying to have fun. We're just trying to think. Well, what would be a funny take on this, and then come up with something. So that's all we're trying to do. Awesome. All right, thank you, Seth. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 